0: Oh, oh, damn, do flim, do Welcome to The Longview, an SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues podcast centered around the big picture goal of sustainable success and bringing a championship parade to Beale Street and hanging a banner in the FedEx form. So with everything with The Longview, Longview on prospects, on young players of the Grizzlies, trades, free agencies, storylines, even game recaps like I did this past season for Grizzly Bear Blues, you can find all of it at the Longview Podcast. And if you aren't doing so already, make sure you are liking, subscribing, downloading, whatever you got to do for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. There you can find every single episode of GBB Live, the Longview, the Core 4 Podcast, 3&D Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Make sure you, uh, you read our work over at GrizzlyBearBlues.com and follow us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies, where we are currently doing the community mock draft, which is always a lot of chaos. But I digress. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And with me, we got a special guest. He is the host of The Mismatch on the Ringer Podcast Network. He is a host of The Ringer NFL Show. And he is also the host of the Chris Vernon Show every weekday from 12 to 2 on GrindCityMedia.com. And it's none other than Chris Vernon. Chris, how are you doing this, this afternoon?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Parker.
0: Absolutely. You know, just for draft season, uh, kicking off really into high gear with all these uh, workouts and stuff going. There's something that's always stuck with me that you've said on the mismatch over the past few years. And on the Chris Vernon show, on Grand City Media. And you, you phrase it in two ways. One, you say draft good players, or two, draft players who won't suck. And it's, it's really an interesting philosophy here because, you know, for like a casual fan, like it's kind of like, yeah, you want to draft good players. I mean, we see far too many times that the NBA execs, they like going for potential can this guy be good instead of, you know, the older college player where it's, oh, he's pretty good, but his upside isn't too much. He's 22, 23. He doesn't have much room to grow. So, just given the Grizzlies' success recently, I know it's been a, a split regime here with uh, Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. from the past regime, but then John Morant, Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, and this one. It's four years in a row of good drafting. So, after just kind of the decade of, you know, Hey, this guy can be good, and now we got four straight years of guys who are contributing towards winning. Immediately, just how refreshing is that for you, just as somebody who covers the Grizzlies?
1: I mean, it's really two decades. I mean, we went from we went from really Conley to Jaron. I think, Mm -hmm. in terms of, I don't believe there's anybody between Conley and Jaron that signed a second contract with the Grizzlies. Maybe. Arthur, but I'm not sure Arthur's second contract was right. He was he was late. Maybe he did the second deal, maybe Darrell. But that would be it. Um, I mean, it's a long time, and that was 08, so you're talking a long time in between Mike Conley and Jaron Jackson Jr. And obviously, Jaren hasn't signed his yet, but we expect that to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a lot, that's a lot of years, um, and actually, so many of those. It was especially perplexing was so many of those years being a good team so drafting in the second half of the second round and taking long shots uh, you know sometimes on talent at those spots whereas I do think that you know what we found many times is as you get later in the draft that's that seems to be the tremendous value um, guys that, you know, the, the NBA many years has been ageist. And so uh, they, they've had these picks. That, these have not been high picks, right? The ones with Tillman, the one with, the one with Dylan Brooks, uh, the with even Brandon Clark for that matter. And the, it went lower than most people thought. And so I do think that your upside picks um how many guys were drafted for tremendous upside in from say 20 on the rest of the way, inevitably you're going to come up with some guys that it's taken place and you got the, you know, the old Chris Wells lightning in a bottle, but many times a lot of the guys that have had, you know, outstanding careers and have greatly outperformed uh, their draft spot are the the Jay Crowder's and the Draymond Greens and the Malcolm Brogdon's of the world that were outstanding college players, maybe were in school a little bit longer, were viewed as having a shorter ceiling, um, but we're really good. And so certainly the Grizzlies have done a a very good job of being able to spot talent uh, in that range of guys. And I, I think, in many cases, playing the odds. Because I think if you go back and look at draft history, you're going to find that there were a lot of experienced guys, three, four-year college players that were drafted as the draft gets a little bit later um, that ended up really hitting.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it kind of looks like teams are, are learning their lessons here a little bit. I mean, I've seen Corey Kispert getting lottery recognition, seeing Chris Duarte, Davion Mitchell, guys like that are getting, you know, first half of the first round consideration. And it's one thing that I think is very interesting about, you know, drafting these guys that are ready, even though they played three or four years of college basketball, because a lot of teams with their, with their second pick, it's like kind of been upside swings. I mean, last year we saw the Thunder go up and use assets to go get Poku. And then, I mean, the Knicks, they, they got, Kevin Knox and Frank Milikina and back-to-back drafts, or even the Cavaliers using a late first-round pick on Dylan Windler, And he, he hasn't really done anything. So I think the Grizzlies' philosophy of, you know, you got Jared and you got Job; ja. Those are your home run hitters, and they are going to have a very, very high ceiling, potential to be all sorts. But the fact that they're surrounding them with guys like Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, Dylan Brooks, guys who – You know, they may not have that youth or intriguing upside of that, like a, like a Poku or whatever, but they're ready to go and they're contributing towards winning day one. And I know Jaron and Ja are, and especially this year, Ja, and getting veterans like Jonas Valanciunas, Cal Anderson, that's helped this rebuild immensely. But do you think getting these guys in the late first round or in the early to mid second round. Do you think that's kind of helped make this rebuild a bit quicker than we all expected?
1: Oh, well, there's no question. Anytime that you can get guys that are playable, you know, and, and they needed it last year with the amount of games that they had in a short amount of time, the injuries that were incurred. Um, you know, I, I think you probably want to mix, but they got, got ready to play basketball. And, and, and also more importantly, Guys that have value, right, um, that now, you know, the, the, there, was, there was a time period where you did a lot of swinging for the fences and guys were not necessarily playable, um, number one, and number two, never have any value. So even if you wanted to go and flip them for something else, you couldn't flip Jarrell Martin for anything. You flipped Deontay Davis for anything. You couldn't flip Tony Roten for anything. Like, there was nothing. And so, if, if you're not going to have a player that can contribute um, or you just feel like maybe you didn't hit it, uh, that's one thing. But on, on the other side, it's like they, they they love their value. And so, right now, I mean, the, the Grizzlies have drafted well enough. They've got too many good player i know it sounds crazy but mm-hmm. it gives you an opportunity to upgrade because you look and you say all right i got grayson allen i got desmond bay and i got we anthony we're, we're, we're duplicating stuff here so if i want to try to improve elsewhere now like every one of those guys is asset people mm-hmm. with other teams would want them And so that's when you know you've drafted. Well, sure, it's helped rebuild. And sure, they've been able to play and proven that they can play in the NBA. But beyond that, you want the guys that you draft, even at worst, to be good enough and to be able to perform at a level to where another team could use them, even if it's not the best fit for your own team. And I think that that, that, more than anything is what happened. I, I, I believe that you know, virtually everyone on their roster has some level of value. Usually, you look at these guys, and you you can say you know, there's a couple guys they're just they're just contracts, and you're throwing them in. But they got guys that can actually play, and guys. I, I think they they've gone for guys with high character, guys guys with good heads on their shoulders, and guys that have been malleable and have shown they'd be able to play on the next level and so to me that's the biggest thing it's like all right um a lot of those swing for the fences even if they didn't like play out and guess what within a year no one else in the league believed in them either so you couldn't even move for anything you know that Mm -hmm. that was the big problem that's a that was the that was the true curse of, of drafting poorly and taking some big swings At guys later rather than guys you just knew could play basketball, guys that you envisioned. Wow, imagine when he's 23 or 24, what he could be like because he's only 19 now. Well, if that doesn't play out now, you just, you know, you've used that pick and you don't even have the asset anymore to be able to flip it into something.
0: Absolutely. It it reminds me of the time where. The Grizzlies, they waved Wade Baldwin a year after selecting him in the top 20. I mean, should I about celebrated turning Deontay Davis and Ben Macklemore into a useful role player with Garrett Temple? But yep. I think I think that's just a very interesting point that you brought up because, I mean, you know, I, I see it a lot on Twitter and stuff because you have teams like Oklahoma City, New Orleans, accumulating all these picks. And it's like, you know, picks are great until you pick them. And – yeah. I, you kind of hit the nail on the head there like trading for a first round pick yeah that, that sounds nice until you use it on a, a Wade Baldwin or a Tony Roten but what the Grizzlies have done is you know they've found value whichever way whether it's in the top five late second or late first round early to mid second round they found value I mean there's no debating that Dylan Brooks is more valuable than the 45th pick in any any draft, even the most loaded one. He is more valuable than that. And, you know, just kind of like in a long view here, like everybody's, you kind of hinted at it, you know, consolidation and trying to go out and get another big hitter next to Jar, Jaren, do you think continuing to find value whichever way and just simply drafting good players will help them not only build the right package to go get one and build a competitive one, but also to remain competitive even when they're, you know, strapped with the luxury tax or stuff like that.
1: Oh man, it's the way you have to do it. Look, if you're in a small market, you have got to craft well unless like we had a very rare instance where we had the core four, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so it, obviously it would have been great to augment that with guys that you drafted that were really able to help participate and part of it, but that didn't happen, but you were so good that you had those four guys that you were able to, you know, you had four starters. And so you were able to pull that off. Um, They did augment, you know, here and there throughout those years uh, with some free agency, but the draft, you know, they felt flat on those, but you know, Generally, that's you're you're going to be building. You're going to be building your teams. You're not going to build your team, and you're not going to nail it in free agency. You're going to be able to do it through trade and the draft. Those are the two avenues you have in all market to truly improve your team greatly. And the, the trick to being able to improve your team greatly is truly is truly trade, right? Like because you're going to want to augment that unless you just nail every single draft. Um, And that may be so, but you want to draft enough players that you've got a package that you can put together. That's actually worth something. And so when you're in a small market, the draft is, is even more important. It just is more important to you. And so will it help them, uh, uh, you know, try to build the roster that they want around the guys that they have? Of course, but, you, you gotta keep getting draft picks, right? Um, mm-hmm. you only have really two avenues because you're not gonna you're never gonna be run out, especially with the amount that you're gonna end up paying Ja when his contract comes up because he may it's it's not it, it's not inconceivable that he would make an all nba team and then you're talking about a whole different you know contract. But in order to in order to build out your team, you're gonna have to keep drafting guys. Uh, and drafting well and developing those players so that you've got something that you can move and uh, in, in package some stuff together in order to get trades uh, at, at different positions. And so far, so good. You know, with this with, with the Zach Climate front of office, they've they pretty well nailed all these picks.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you know, there was a there was a point that you had mentioned earlier that that I forgot to hit on is just the fact that they have so many playable players. And I know like almost weekly, it was like, Oh, why isn't Xavier Tillman playing? Why isn't Brandon Clark playing? Why isn't Tyus Jones playing? Because they had too many good basketball players and it's a great problem to have. And, you know, I know people kind of like to use it to diminish value. I mean, we saw it with Brandon Clark, but you're probably guaranteed that about 29 of the other teams would kill to have somebody like Brandon Clark off the bench or kill to have a backup point guard like Tyus Jones or shooters like Grayson Allen, Desmond Bain, D'Anthony Melton. So uh, I, I think they've kind of put the – like it's a good problem to have. It's a problem that we, I mean, we haven't really had it since what? Not like top-heavy or anything, but we haven't had this problem since that Western Conference Finals team.
1: Yeah, even then, I mean, you got the, 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 probably the best roster they had all the way down was the one that had you know like uh, Mike Miller, John Luer, Ed Davis. Like they had a bunch of guys that had like real careers all mm-hmm. the way down. If you go look, I guess it was the the Jason Levy the year. Um, you know, they, when they when they flipped over that roster. Pretty much from the top to the bottom of that roster, all 15 guys were reasonably playable on that team. Um, but yeah, in terms of like depth and, and especially depth combined with with youth, um, I would say they're in as good a shape as they have ever been. Honestly, like in terms of asset management, like having stuff that you can move, and they've all got and and you got a bunch of good contracts too. You don't have you don't have bad contracts on there. I mean your y- your issue is actually going to be, you know, can you get uh you know, can you get returned? So you get to a point where you've got right now you've got so many guys like say I've got three shooting guards, right? So I've got I've got Desmond Payne, I've got DeAnthony Melton, I've got Grayson Allen. Well, if I if, if I want to move Allen and I dedicate myself to the other guys, well, I've got to have something to pair it up with because I'm probably not going to get as good a value for the four or five million or whatever Grayson's contract is uh, for his last year before he's going to get paid. Uh, so I pair it up with like a, a Justice Winslow or whoever else uh, or a Kyle Anderson in order to move it uh, elsewhere. But I mean, you're in a really good spot right now because like I said, you have these assets and you have the ability with a bunch of good contracts on the, on the roster. You've got so many guys that are under good deals, um, that are good values for other teams that the trick is trying to figure out how, if you want to upgrade at a certain position, how you can kind of pair together some of these contracts to be able to get whatever asset you want in return. Um, but yeah, they're in a good spot. I mean, they got they got they got some financial flexibility. They've got guys on good contracts, and they've got uh, you know guys that you know should probably be playing more, or that duplicate each other at a position. They got three guys that could start at shooting guard for mm-hmm. sure right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got a way to try to even out. Uh, this roster, and you're pretty well only going to be able to do that through draft and trade, generally. And you can play the margins on free agency, and you might be able to get a guy here or there that's overlooked, like they did with Kyle, like they did with Tyus, but you're probably not going to get whatever, if you want to get a third big wheel, that's probably probably far-fetched to think that's coming to free agency. So you got to have a bunch of guys on good contracts, and you got to have uh, guys that are young and, and playable. And so the, the trick to that is drafting great.
0: Absolutely. No, it, it's definitely a great problem for the Grizzlies to have. And, you know, I just, for this, this long view question here is, you know, whenever these guys get priced out or whenever you have Jaron and John, these extensions, or you make that big consolidation trade, do you think this draft philosophy, you know, of drafting these older players that are ready to go day one, do you think it's just kind of foreshadowing what's to come when those decisions are made? Are they going to be one of those teams, like kind of how the Spurs have been for the past two ge- decades where it's like, crap, did we really let this guy fall to this team again?
1: I think there's real possibility. I mean, cause it's already happened. It's already happened a couple of years, right? I mean, mm-hmm. People, people certainly felt that way about Clark. People certainly felt that way about Bain. That's two. That's two in a row. You know? So it's hard to, it's hard to envision why it wouldn't happen again. Um, and that 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 happens in all kinds of sports, but it's the teams that trapped really well. I swear, every friggin' year for like 10 years, you'd sit there and go, How did the Ravens get? And then who'd be whoever? Like mm-hmm. CJ Mosley or Terrell Suggs, or whoever, like, of course, he dropped to them, right? Like, it just seemed like they were always and, – and and it was the Steelers there for a while. Like, there are these teams that you knew are, are good drafting teams, and they're just going to be there, and there's going to be somebody on the board that probably shouldn't be on the board, and they're going to be the one that ends up with them. And so we at least got a two-year streak running with that, and so see if they can go three for three
0: absolutely. It's, it's going to be very fascinating. And I know with this draft in particular, just from studying it, you know, you have basically in this front office, they deserve the benefit of the doubt because they, they've they had this draft success for two years in a row now where they got value from everyone. I mean, even the two way guys are contributing when they're called upon. And you know, they can, they can trade up and go get a guy that they think could start down the line. They can make an upside swing. They can go kind of stick to the status quo a little bit as well and go after guys that were college veterans that can provide value immediately. So it's going to be very fascinating to see if, you know, if they can hit three years in a row. And Vernon, I do want to close with this. and I know you're going to probably extend more into it with the Chris Vernon show and with the mismatch. Every year you do a guys who won't fail list. And ha- is there anybody that you think, may- like outside like the top five, top 10, who's hmm. kind of caught your eye as a, this guy won't fail type of player?
1: I've got a good one
0: for you. Let's hear it. I'm,
1: I'm like, I'm totally enamored with him. It's uh, Moody from Arkansas. Oh,
0: Marcus that is, Moody. he yeah. is like, the top of my Grizzlies board. I, I think I actually slid him into like the top five of my track. There, board. There, he, he's awesome, man.
1: There is, there is no chance Marcus Moody's going to suck. None. No way. No way. There is no way. He's got a freaky wingspan plays hard. I don't know if you saw the interviews with the kid at the combine. Oh my goodness. I can only imagine a GM watching those. I mean, smart kid good head on his shoulders um just like uh, you know he was bra- i saw the thing that they did there there's a package out there people could go look it up just sit down he did with Mike Schmidt and Mike Schmidt is like you know you know at some point he does a little criticism too like hey what happened here whatever and just listening to the kid explain the game explain the way he thinks um talk about what he needs to improve on um I just think somebody's gonna get somebody. Somebody's gonna get a player for a long time with that kid. I I, I see very, I see very little circumstance where he is not a a, a long term NBA player.
0: That is definitely a great one. I, I actually did yep. a profile on him, and you know you're looking at guys like Chris Middleton and Mikhail Bridges playing mm. huge roles on finals teams. You're like, you watch Booty, you're like, okay, he could do a lot of the same stuff. One thing that really caught my eye. Because you know it's not really a big thing in college basketball. Is he was in the ninety eighth percentile in points per possession as a pick and roll ball handler, and when you have a guy that's projected to be a three and D player with his wingspan yep. that can also create like that, man, the upside. Yeah, really and nice. uh,
1: and 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 if you listen, so I know uh, I knew Musselman when he was the when he was an assistant coach here way back in the day hello listen to musselman talk about that kid oh god he loves him he loves him and, and and musselman knows players you know what i mean he's been he's he, he was a coach of the nba too um he, he knows what that kid brings to the table and you hear me he is just he's over the moon and talks about what a competitor he is i mean it's just everything you want to hear everything you want to hear about a kid everything
0: absolutely no i if the and it's crazy because he's like kind of all over the place. I see people who have him being a guy that can be in the top 10 or solidify lottery. But I mean, the latest ESPN draft has him going to Oklahoma City with the 18th pick, one pick after Memphis. I tell you what, Chris, that would be kind of heartbreaking if they passed on Moody. Yeah, no, if he makes it to 17, you have to take it. Yeah, no, no time left off the clock there. But, Chris, I want to thank you very much uh, for joining this edition of the Long View. Are there any final remarks you want to say, or is there anything that you want to plug in between between now and the draft? No. no, I think this is a super exciting time, man. Super exciting time.
1: I, uh, you know, everywhere I go uh, throughout this summer, uh, they really with the way they finished off that season, knocking off Curry, and then beating San Antonio, and then winning a playoff game and Ja. Setting the you know the, the franchise high for scoring, um, in a playoff game no less. I think, uh, I think people people it's a different level and it's a, a different level of excitement than we have had before. Um, and I I don't think that we've ever been in a spot where the the future has felt as bright as it does right now. But now they go into it this with some expectation, but it's exciting to be rooting for a team that um you, you you really look forward to the draft you know what I mean I'm excited to see uh, who they pick and inevitably we will have to give them uh, the benefit of the doubt one for much of this franchise's existence that just was not so and so now got another piece to build they got free agency coming up and they've got a lot of assets that they can they can move this stuff around and I wouldn't be surprised if they try to augment and improve this roster a great deal going into next year because you know we only got two more years of job being on the kind of contract he is now because he may be making 30 40 million before we know it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely i I do remember you you talked about that on on a show one day maximizing the maximizing the the rookie contract and what it does i mean build build around those guys don't be afraid to throw money at guys you think that fit i mean look at atlanta they were two wins away from making the NBA finals after paying Bogdanovich, Gallinari.
1: That's right. When they're that good, that fast. And he is, he's that good, that fast. Mm-hmm. See it a lot of times in the NFL, having Russell Wilson, you know, I had, I had uh, great regret over uh, letting those Dak Prescott, you know, cheap years go by the wayside. Cause there was going to come a day where you got to pay him like a, like a big, you know, uh, franchise quarterback, because that's what happens to anybody that can play the position. And so if you if you nail one, um, those kind of guys on low contracts are uh, there's, there's nothing better than that. The Grizzlies got a bunch of guys on low contracts right now. Mm-hmm. They can play. They can play. And so you've got the opportunity right now to uh, to build around those guys because it's, it's very difficult to build. It's hard to have depth You got to nail everything. Once you've got a couple of guys, and you got two or three guys that are making, you know, crazy money, it's really, really hard to build around them. And you see that. I mean, you you know, it's the plight of Portland right now. It's the plight of many teams. When you saw when their bench came in, it's why the Grizzlies bench was such an advantage throughout the season. It's because a lot of these teams. They don't even once they get past their seventh or eighth guy, it's just crap the rest Mm -hmm. of the way, and it's because you've just got to you got to nail it in order to have depth when you're spending a fortune on two or three guys, and and that that time is coming. There there will be a time where the Grizzlies are spending a fortune on two or three guys, but for right now, they're not. And so I say, yeah, go ahead and, and go ahead and start augmenting this thing and taking a run with it now while these guys are still on low contracts because you have such an unbelievable opportunity the Celtics same way right now they're paying mm-hmm. Jalen and Tatum they're making Easter Conference Finals with those guys on rookie contracts for God's sakes
0: yep and then they squandered those picks on on guys like Romeo Langford and right. Grant Williams so right. yeah you just got to keep drafting well because like like you said everything gets pricey and you know I mean, everybody always says the best time to be a fan is right before you're supposed to be good. And when you're not drafting well, you're not building around those guys that like, J- like a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, or John Jan, or Trey Young and John Collins, but you're not building right around those guys. It it just kind of gets murky and kind of uncomfortable a little bit to follow as a, a whether it's at the level of you're doing coverage or just even the fact of just casually watching games with your fans if you, it can just be kind of frustrating when your front office isn't building around your stars the right way. But it's also refreshing to see that the Grizzlies are doing quite well with building around John Morant and Jaron Jackson. Jr. No,
1: they're in a good spot right now,
0: for sure. Absolutely. So thank you, Chris, for coming on. And make sure y'all follow him at Chris Vernon Show. And make sure y'all are liking, subscribing, downloading to his podcast and his radio shows whether it's a chris vernon show at grind City media or if it's the ringer nfl show or the ringer uh nba show aka the mismatch all just fantastic work uh, some of the best sports podcasts you should uh, that you could listen to uh, make sure you follow me on twitter at paca underscore flocka and make sure you are liking subscribing downloading whatever you need to do for the grizzly bear blues podcast network and make sure you read all of our work at grizzlybearblues.com and with that that's it